0: welcome to the debut episode of the Dr. Dion Show on Business Radio X, where you can listen to smart dialogue about diversity, leadership, and behavior in the workplace and beyond. We are broadcasting live from the Gwinnett Business Radio X studio in Duluth, Georgia. My name is Dr. Dion Wright-Poulton, and I'm here with uh, Executive Producer Mike Salmon and Producers Trey and Z. Thank you much for your your assistance today. I'm also joined by uh, three guests, First is Ms. Lori Brickman, who is the NAMI-GACIT coordinator and mental health advocate, and we'll be explaining those um, acronyms shortly. Next is Ms. Kasha Gold. She's a NAMI member, a fashion designer, and spoken word artist originally from Baltimore. Captain Jay Eisner will be joining us as well. He is a commander of the Special Victims Unit of the DeKalb County Police Department. Thank you all for coming. Before we begin, let's uh, just a quick reminder that our show airs live on the second Friday of each month at 10 a.m., but you can listen to any of our previous shows anytime visiting GwinnettBusinessRadioX.com. So let's start with uh,
1: Lori. Can you just explain a little more about yourself? First, I'd like to thank you for this opportunity to get together with you this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you. A little bit about me. I am a NAMI member myself. I'm the mother of two adult children. Uh, daughter and son. I am a NAMI advocate and CIT crisis intervention team training coordinator.
0: Can you explain what NAMI is? That's an acronym for what?
1: Yes, this is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. NAMI is a national grassroots organization, the largest grassroots organization serving individuals and families who are dealing with mental health challenges. We have affiliates throughout the country in Georgia, NAMI Georgia. NAMIGA.org is our organization. I myself am a member of NAMI Northside. That is the area in which I live. Uh, We have affiliates throughout. So our goal is to create awareness for and advocacy for research for mental health and disabilities and anything we can do to increase the awareness for that, that's what we do.
0: Great, thank you. Captain Eisner, can you explain a little more about yourself?
2: Sure, I'm a DeKalb County Police Officer. I've been there 28 years. Excuse me, 25. My wife has been there 28. I was about to take her credit. <laughs> I am currently in charge of our Special Victims Unit. I am also a facilitator t- doing the training, the 40-hour trainings for the Crisis Invention Team. I have um, a lot of experience on the road with people suffering from mental illness. I also have experiences in my own life and my family. And that's one of the things that I really think is important is that there's no one who's not touched by this and that's why it's so important that we give officers the tools they need to help people. Uh, and often, what is their worst day?
0: So I'll just clarify. So, so the CIT unit, so the the, the whole purpose of it, or the the um, objective, is to to um, train officers um, in in approaching people with episodes or, or situations and and looking at them not as criminals per se, but as 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 possible people with with mental illnesses to kind of look at through a different lens is that the purpose of the CIT training?
2: Absolutely and you mentioned a unit but really the concept is not a unit but that all officers need this training because there's no officer who isn't going to come across regularly people who are suffering from mental illness because those situations can create crises where officers are going to respond we want them to have the skills to identify what's going on so that they respond appropriately.
1: Yes, and this is a collaborative effort between the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities, and NAMI.
0: So, Kasia, I would love to hear more about you and also uh, maybe share your story about uh, how you got involved with this and how this program has uh, impacted your life.
3: Sure. Um, I'm a member of NAMI, and I'm in our own voice presenter, so I go around sharing my story um, to different types of groups of people. I've done... um, Officers, I go to psych wards and just anywhere that um, people would have me to come share my story. And I just like to use the story of hope and try to fight the stigma and raise more awareness so people can, you know, have a better understanding what it's like to have a mental illness, um, and the, the also the the good side of having a mental illness. Would you want to share what um, the situation you mentioned in florida sure um i was before i was actually diagnosed this was around the, the time that i was diagnosed i ended up in florida after crashing my mom's car my mom was with me she couldn't find me and she saw me and i ran and the police started chasing me in the airport and so I um, hopped onto a shuttle bus to try to get away. And so the bus didn't move fast enough. So I hopped off and ran and jumped into like a swamp lagoon to try to get away. And an officer was at the um, bank trying to, you know, lure me, get me to come in. I've I actually got out of the water, had a, like kind of like an altercation with about three or four cops. And I was tussling with them. And I remember that they were trying to put me into the back of the police car. I wasn't you know being compliant and I remember on looking on the other side of the um, the car and there was another officer there and he gently nudged me to come and I came and so he took me and wrote and he rode me to the crisis um, center in the airport and I wouldn't talk so um the officers there, were you know trying to question me they questioning my mother trying to see what was going on and um, I wouldn't say anything so when that one officer came in I I felt him and I, I started, I opened up to him. So he took me around um, to the, the airport to get something to eat and things like that and to change my clothes until my dad was able to come get me. And when I always um, tell people, like when I share my story, especially with officers, that I, I remembered his, um, he was really giving me the feeling of like he was my dad. Like I felt safe with him. Not saying I didn't say, feel safe with the other cops. But it was just something special about him that I felt like, um, made me really comfortable. He was really gentle. He was like an angelic kind of um, presence about him. And it made me feel really comfortable, like I was in, safe in his his arms. And I always just say, like, this this cop really made me feel like he, he was my dad at that moment. He did call, like, once my dad came to pick me up from Florida. And then I added that I went and Got checked into the psych, psych war, but um, he did check on me, called my dad a couple times afterwards, and I wish that I could find this guy. Don't remember what he what his name was, but I remember he wore glasses. I think he was of like Hispanic or Latino um, ethnicity. So I wish I could find him to thank him because like he, he was like my <laughs> my hero, you know. Beautiful story. Thanks mm-hmm. for sharing that. Thank you.
0: So I just want to 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 add some statistics on this on this matter, and and why are we talking about this? According to the NAMI website, I pulled some stats. Approximately one in five adults in the U.S., that's 43.8 million people, or 18.5 percent, experience mental illness in a given year. Approximately one in 25 adults in the U.S., that's 10 million people, or 4.2 percent, experience a serious mental illness in a given year that substantially interferes with or limits one one of their major life activities. And that would definitely include work. Approximately one in five youth age 13 to 18, 21.4 percent, experience a severe mental disorder at some point during their life. And for children age 8 to 15, the estimate is 13 percent. So this, these numbers are alarming. And if we assume that these people are or who have who suffer with mental illnesses are just in shelters or on the streets, they're in our workplaces. We, we, in, we in, 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 interact with them on a regular basis. And we have to all... Uh, join in and show compassion for them and 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 if they say one in five that means there are how many people in this room here there's six people in this room here, which means at least one person in here would have something or, or close to two. So I just wanted to um, go back to your story, which yes. is fantastic. Thank you so so it was a police officer who who stepped in and showed you compassion. yes and we have a police officer here as well. And so I just want to kind of just um, segue to, 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 to um, Captain for a second. So what is your biggest challenge? So, so in that kind of situation, hearing Kasha's uh, Cassa, uh experience, you, that, that police officer was going to, going to work that day. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, so in his work environment, he experienced that situation. So what, what happens with you, um, Captain Eisner, in terms of going to work every day and, 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 and what, what would happen when you experience that kind of situation? Can you walk us through what kind of training you go through and what does that entail?
2: So the challenge is we're a job where we should be helpers. but We also are trained from the get-go that we're always at risk of being harmed, of being killed, of being murdered. I was just teaching yesterday, and I mentioned about barriers to communication when we're out on the scene, talking about the uniform and everything that attaches to that good and bad. But I mentioned, okay, so every officer in here, when we talk to people, you automatically are bladed away from them, angled away from them, so that your gun is away from the person you're talking to, because you're taught to constantly understand that someone may try and grab your gun and kill you. So it's a tremendous challenge to open up and be there for someone in the moment who's in a crisis, who needs a father figure, who needs a gentle soul, while also constantly being aware of risk to your safety. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard. Um, And so I (laughs) so touched that you had somebody there who was able to, bring that, that presence mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. helped you to feel safe. And that's what we strive for. And that's one of the reasons for the 40-hour mm-hmm. uh, CIT training is to help officers understand the stories behind how you ended up where you were that day. That crisis you're in that day is not you. It's not all there is to you, right? It's an mm-hmm. outcome of a, a, a brain illness that you have. Yeah. And you also talked about, Cash about the uh, about the stigma. And that's one of the things I find so frustrating is that we somehow find like character fault in someone who has a brain illness, that we don't do that to people with any other illness. And it's really frustrating because pretty sure no one checks in and asks for an illness, <clears> um, <throat> but people persevere and work through it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's to be admired, you know, that mm-hmm. people can persevere through that. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, I think I went a far afield oh, from no. what you asked. I think,
0: <laughs> I think it's fantastic. So redirect me um <laughs> i was just i was just asking about the type of training that that you experience and, and 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 you did kind of answer the question you talked about uh the difficulty in trying to 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 kind of um contain a, poten- a potential threat right versus showing compassion to for somebody and that's a difficult thing to to, uh, to be to be in a yeah. kind of experience and i I applaud every police officer who, who does their jobs because mm-hmm. that's a very difficult thing to think about your life being yes. taken at any moment and also having to
2: serve the public. So I completely understand. So we do, we do have a lot of training. Our training is really advanced um, in terms of how we try and prepare people for this. You know, because obviously there's tactical training, there's use of force training, understanding the law and what's appropriate use of force, making decisions in the moment. And like in our department, we've gotten pretty good at that in terms of trying to use real scenario-based Training that exposes officers to the stress. We call it stress inoculation. Give you scenarios that stress you to the max so that when it happens in real life, you've done this before. Uh, But at the same time, that doesn't help us with someone who's in a mental health crisis if we don't recognize that's what it is. Now, someone who's in a mental health crisis who might be delusional, might be seeing things that are terrifying, Mm -hmm. they may respond violently. And so an officer has to deal with that but still understand that the moment you've controlled the situation, made it safer, then it's time to bring all the compassion you can try and help that person who deserves that help. Um, And I'm glad that happened for you.
1: Yes, (laughs) that's great. Yes, our class is not only uh, clinical information. The first day we do have approximately eight hours of specialists in the mental health field, teach the officers about things like schizophrenia, personality disorders, mood disorders, Alzheimer's, which is not a mental illness, but it's something else we address. Uh, we have two and a half days, Dion, of role playing. Our role plays are based on real life scenarios. Wow. We do site visits. You could hear a pin drop in, in the room of some of the site visits we've gone to. The officers are so touched. We've gone to shelters. We've gone to mental health facilities where there are people who are sharing their stories. A couple of weeks ago, we went downtown. A gentleman shared his story of how he had been homeless for 30 years hmm. and was now in recovery. And recovery is something we, we teach because it doesn't mean that you're cured. It means that you are in a place of hope and opportunity, that you are stable. And the officers are doing an outstanding job. This is why I go out every day and tell people about CIT. A couple of weeks ago, one of the officers in the class I was coordinating on break, it was probably Wednesday, she raised her hand and she could barely talk and flagged me over to her. I said, is it something I said? She said, no, I feel horrible. And I said, why is that? She said, well, three years ago, I arrested a woman who clearly had schizophrenia. I did not know that until today. I might have ruined her life. I said, well, I appreciate you sharing that with me, but where are you today? Did a little grounding technique Mm -hmm. I learned. (laughs) I'm in CIT, and what are we learning? We're learning the signs and symptoms of mental illness and disabilities, why? So that I can be a better officer in person. And so on Monday, What's going to happen? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to know more than I know today. So there you have it.
0: Awesome. Yeah. You're listening to the Dr. Dion Show. I'm joined by uh, Miss Lori Brickman, Captain Jay Eisner, and Miss Kesha Gold. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. In adult education, there's a concept called critical self-reflection, and the 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 mm. the um story you just shared Lori is uh, an, an, an example of what every adult should do is go back and reflect on a situation that uh, that they, they went through and maybe they didn't handle it properly and they may not have an opportunity to go back and fix it, but it's it's a matter of okay, you know what I'm gonna try and do better the next time. And that is a critical component of being an adult and just the, in, in, in terms of the work that I do and helping adults to change their perspectives and, and to realize that, you know what, that sometimes the way you see things cannot, is not necessarily the truth. And you have to make adjustments when you get new information that kind of lets you realize that, you know what, you may have been wrong when you handle the situation or thought a certain way.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's, it's not even forgiving or forgetting it. It's letting it go and and moving forward. Um, The partnership that we have with um, the police and the community is so important, and that's wonderful what you just explained. That is probably very accurate for the way a lot of the officers feel once they learn these tools.
2: So Lori, you actually shocked me when you said we're doing an outstanding job.
1: I think so. It was actually
2: a shock because I don't feel that way. Hmm. And Hmm. so I real quickly had to kind of go through, why do I feel that way? because i'm a facilitator because i help complete the training for the officers i'm aware of every time that we fall short of the ideal that we would strive for and so i don't feel like we do an outstanding job but then i had to go through and process and realize and this is true of police in general there is 700,000 police officers in this country every officer has 10 citizens contacts a day so i do the math that's millions and millions of contacts we have i'm sure hundreds of thousands probably millions of contacts with people who are mentally ill and most of them go well most of the times we really help the situation but as a trainer what I worry about what I care about is those those interactions that don't go well right so that's what I focus perfect. on and I lose sight of the fact of what you just said that there are so most many of the scares. time we get it right um And that's probably important for me to take away from this because you got to remain hopeful in everything Mm -hmm. you do right
1: oh absolutely Mm -hmm. so many stories just last week an officer that just got out of training he 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 texted or emailed me and he said uh, i i was uh, on patrol and there's a family they don't have any furniture that is not his job description folks Um, (laughs) he he said how can i get them furniture can you connect me with the resources that we talked about in class? I said, yes. Give me one hour. I got on my Facebook. In 50 minutes, there were five families who had donated furniture. Wow. Fantastic.
0: That's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you. So I want to go back to your point, uh, Captain. As an as a, also a trainer of diversity, one thing that I try to do is not measure, uh, I guess, the efficacy of my uh, message or my training by that one situation or one training because because sometimes when you deliver information that person may get it right away it may take them two weeks it may take them two years it may take them five years something may have to happen to them to make them realize hey that's what she was talking about that's what he was talking about Mm -hmm. so uh one thing that I really, really try to do is just give the information and just be kind of a vessel to kind of disseminate information, and then hopefully, if someone wins, learns something, then that is that is a good thing. And 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 it, to your point, Laurie, if they come back and they actually tell you it is golden it's amazing and and i think it's if you get one person that actually circles back to say that to you it's it's fantastic and clearly you're doing a fantastic job because kasha would not be sitting right here as well that's
1: true she has made Mm -hmm. such a difference Mm -hmm. in uh our students lives i ever we could spend a week talking about the impact that you have on officers i had an officer that said on monday i'm not going to be just a better cop, I'm gonna be a better person. Awesome. Wow,
3: that's amazing. When I share my story and with everybody, and then since we're on the topic with cops, I definitely feel like it makes me feel good to be able to, to be open about it and have an experience that I actually made it out of to share, you know? So I'm thankful. And we're
0: thankful for you. Mm-hmm. And where are you today? Can you tell us what you're doing today? You mean in my. Just, just in, in general. general like we're um, in, emotionally um, and, and professionally. <laughs> you look amazing. Thank
3: you. I'm wearing <laughs> one of my creations. Well, two of my creations dress and earrings. I am planning this fashion show called the Green and Jean Fashion Show, and it's a uh, benefit. Uh, for NAMI, I'm donating um, proceeds to NAMI. And the green um, represents the green ribbon um, for mental illness. Like your breast cancer is the pink ribbon. For mm-hmm. mental health, it's the green ribbon. So I'm asking everyone to come wearing their jeans and anything green. Um, I've been sewing away. Yeah. uh just sewing and sewing and so on so just getting ready prepared for that and um i just released a, a cd it's it's actually not available online yet it'll be available next by next week but it's a cd called resilience and it's a collection of my poetry that i've written and um recited um some of it has music behind it but it's about um, my my um experience with mental health mental illness and I, I was diagnosed with bipolar so um that's what i've been working on and it's it's been, you know, (laughs) keeping me really busy. So I'm excited though, I'm really excited. So I hope that if anybody's interested in um, coming to the show, it's October the 1st uh, at Hobie Studios. Uh, Hobie is spelled H-O-B-I and it's near Grant Park in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, you can get tickets uh, on Eventbrite and just search Green and Jane and it's Atlanta, Georgia, so. Fantastic.
0: So what do you attribute your recovery to? What 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 was the pivotal moment for you, or um, person, thing, entity? What you what know changed for you?
3: It's my faith in God. You know, my faith in God. I pray, um, and also I can say that my my artistic um, talents have helped me because I I've used that as a form of healing for myself and for a form of coping also but just in in between my prayer and my faith in God and my artistic capabilities that's what's been keeping me keeping me going and also um just recently I've begun to share more and more I've been a member of NAMI since 2011 back when I was in Baltimore and I just began sharing down here in Atlanta and just opening up about it is is it's amazing I mean it, it it took when I first was diagnosed, I went into a shell. You know, I was always that bubbly, outgoing person. And when I found fi- when I found out I had bipolar, I was like, oh my gosh, like what is this? And it took me some time and patience with myself and my journey to be able to come to this point where I can actually um, stand up and not be fearful and share just what I've been through. It's an amazing film. <laughs> Thank you. It's just, it, it feels these are happy tears. You know, I'm crying because I'm happy We're because very proud of you. a lot of people that have mental illnesses don't want to share because they're afraid of what people will think. Right. You know? Absolutely. And, and that's, that's, that's a tough thing when you are going through something and you can't share because people, people don't understand. And even family members. Let me get myself together. My dad, he's been there with me a lot through my story, I mean, through my journey. And he recently saw a movie on TV that um, talked about a, a young lady that had bipolar. And he called me. He was like, baby girl, I understand. I, I think I got it, you know. And I, and I try to help him understand even daily his struggles. You know, trying to deal with anxiety. You know, sometimes I have sleepless nights and get overwhelmed easily. And you know, just still recovery is ongoing. But I just, you know, just for me to be able to be here, to share and be open, and go out and share my story and use my artistic gifts and talents to, you know, raise awareness. Is, you know, I want to to be able to give hope to others that are in, you know, that that had mental illnesses to say I can, I can do this. I can come out and not be afraid. And I always tell people, fear is not. Fearlessness is not being, not not being afraid. I believe having fear, being fearless is when you are fearful, but you still courageously Mm -hmm. march on, even though you are afraid. It's kind of like walking through a dark tunnel. You see the light and you're scared, but you continue to move forward. That's being fearless. So... (sighs) Yes, right. she's, just, chosen, yes she, she's chosen to swim <laughs> awesome. instead of sink. Absolutely. The
1: truth is, though, in in swimming, it doesn't mean you have to swim alone either. Yes. We can get our life preservers out and we can hook them up together and form a team so that we all stay afloat. Yes.
2: One okay. of the things, one of the things I know when we teach the CIT class mm-hmm. is that it's an emotional time for the officer in there because almost every officer in there. Is touched by mental illness, you know, someone in their family, someone they care about themselves um, because of depression that can come with the job. It's really important that all families come away with what you just said, which Mm -hmm. is an understanding. My experience is sometimes families struggle. They see it as like a a personality quirk mm-hmm. rather than an, an illness that you're having like, to work like through, like saying
3: oh that's just how they are like that kind of thing and they could
2: stop mm-hmm. like why didn't she just do it different mm-hmm. and they wouldn't do that with an illness that was some other part of your body yeah. no one looks at someone mm-hmm. with with heart disease mm-hmm. and says we well, just you can walk mm-hmm. up the stairs just try harder uh-huh. you know
1: yes nami makes it very clear that your mental illness does not define you. you yep definitely mm-hmm <laughs> and there should be opportunities for recovery yes. for everyone yeah i
3: i wanted to mention just um, say something i encourage um whoever is listening that if you know someone that has a mental illness if a family member that has a mental illness learn it learn it find out about it you know the negative side of it or the, maybe i shouldn't say that the downside of bipolar is publicized so much that pe- it's sca- it, people get scared of what they don't understand or know. And it took me, myself, and my family, um, ever since 2005 when I was diagnosed to learn bipolar research and understand what the symptoms and the signs are, you know, so that you can be able to better understand what it is that mental illness is. can yes. you explain Sorry what it is?
0: What bipolar? Well,
3: is? for me, my symptoms are I am high anxiety. I'm more, I'm more on the manic side. High anxiety, I lose I've like lose I don't sleep, I lose my appetite, um hallucinations, paranoia, I smell things, I see things, and I have unrealistic thinking. So I have racing thoughts. Um I'll, you know, sometimes start analyzing things that that, that don't make sense. You know, it's just, you know, just having unrealistic thinking. Um and it's like being in a unreal world. Uh, with thoughts that aren't real And I, I think that um, One ex- one thing I can describe uh, and I, I, This hasn't happened to me But it's kind of like If your mind If you're having a lot of thoughts In your mind And your mind tells you To do something That may be real Like just throw your trash On your bed That can be a thought That someone That is bipolar ha- Has and they'll do it Because they're relying On their their mind Because this is what our drive, The driving force Is your mind So if your mind tells you To do something it's hard to deny it because that's what you use every day to function. You know, if you have an itch, you scratch it. So it's hard to deny yourself from accepting those unrealistic thoughts in a in a in a, in a having a bipolar episode or a mental episode. It's hard to deny your mind because you use it. So those are some of the symptoms. And um, and like for me, I know that when. I'm going to a certain level of getting into episode. I lose, I lose a lot of sleep, and I, I start to kind of calculate too much, like over analyzing things. And because I, I remember one time in my home. My apartment I had a neighbor, and he, you know, he was like a friendly neighbor, and I could tell he was always, you know, watching, just making sure everybody was okay. And I, I was having the episode, and I it took it to the extreme. I was like, oh "My gosh, he's gonna come and break into my apartment and try to do something to me!" And then, and I was like having anxiety, like freaking out. And my dad had to tell me, "No, baby girl, like, no, it's okay." And so, just things like that, just
1: or uh, things for my symptoms or what it could be. Right, okay. sometimes the insight, many times the insight is impaired. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do encourage people to get the support they need. Yeah. Go educated. onto the NAMI Georgia website for s- resources and connections with mental health professionals and understand that if you had diabetes, you'd take insulin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if someone saw someone on the street clutching their chest They might think that person is in the midst of a heart attack and get them to a hospital. Mm -hmm. The purpose originally when we were talking is um, to get people connected with services. That Mm -hmm. is one very big objective of crisis intervention team training to avoid when possible incarceration and arrests Mm -hmm. or worse uh, so that we don't expect officers to to become clinicians by Friday it's just a matter of like you said Dion having one takeaway
3: awesome and NAMI does have classes for family members and have peer-to-peer support and family support groups absolutely and it's for family members that have for people that have a family member that has a mental illness they have Classes where you can go to just get information and learn on how to um, better be there for your loved one with a mental illness. And if you're out there and you have a mental illness and you may be alone and you feel like you need help or you want to speak to someone, you can reach out to NAMI
0: um, just to get some support. And so, they're free.
3: Yes. All
1: classes. Everything NAMI
0: does is is free. That's great. And that's actually a segue to my my, my next question, which is how do citizens... What what do citizens have to do, or where can they go to get assistance with mental health uh, matters, disabilities, addictive disorders? Captain Eisen, you want to answer that question? Actually, I'll Lori. That's okay, your t- time to give our the our NAMI G-
1: NAMIGA.org G- is the place. In in a serious uh, crisis, there is the Georgia Crisis and Access line for those who are in uh, DeKalb County. The reason we're training our officers. And our community is so if you are in a situation where someone, maybe in cash's situation, is having a mental health issue at that time, and I can, you know, I know from my own experience as well with family members. If you must call 911, you want to ask for a CIT officer. That is someone who has gone through training and has some advanced skills in understanding the situation you're in. So I I wanna, oh, I'm for sorry.
2: Georgia, I do have a number for access to care. It's 1-800-715-4225. 1-800-715-4225. That's the Georgia crisis uh, and access line. And it does allow people to set up mental health uh, appointments 24-7.
1: Yes, and the NAMI line 770-234-0855. Oh,
3: I wanted to I just mention, too, just in case there's a piggyback, there are NAMI does have organizations um from state to state. So if you're not in Georgia or the person that you know may not be in Georgia, um, they have other locations in other cities and states. So you just want to just call That's your correct. local your NAMI office or go to their website.
0: In terms of diversity. So this absolutely is a diversity issue, because um as we're, we're, we're as we're talking about, people say, oh, well, she's just. Different, or she's crazy, or she's just, and they treat people differently um, because of who they are. So, in terms of diversity,
1: how does it affect your work and is, and also the training? Well, we actually have an hour module on on diversity. One of the, maybe I should be telling this in advance in case some of the officers listen; they'll know what the exercise is about. But one of the one of the exercises we have is to ask the officers to write down uh, on four sheets of paper. <laughs> who or what is most important in their life. We go around and we take some of those things away and they learn real quick what it's like when something that they're used to is no longer with them and making them feel alone. Mm-hmm. We have opportunities to engage in discussions about starting very simply. Where are y'all all from? We'll go around the room. Where are you from? What does culture mean to you? Is it maybe your police Law enforcement culture? Is it African American culture? They learn from the very basic, in the very basic ways, in our early discussions, what diversity means to them. And then we move on to more advanced exercises about how they would respond when they're in a situation uh, where a cultural or diverse uh, environment is something foreign to them. How do they handle it?
2: So, really, the diversity to me, the whole point is to bring empathy into play. Yes. You know, we all have empathy, but sometimes you need to have a little perspective in someone else's yes. life to bring it into play. Um, and if you want to see officers cry, the exercise she does where they write down the four most important things in their lives on four slips of paper, then we come around and grab one. And we use that to explain that when you are, are having to work through a mental illness, things that you care about deeply are taken from you, not your fault. Just the ability to trust what your brain tells you.
3: Can I say something about that? And and it's, it's, it's still I deal with it every day. I still struggle with relying on my mind. I have to sometimes ask people for their opinion just to make sure that I'm thinking the right thing. You know, and it's a, it's a part of having accountability also. But I still, you know, deal with not knowing whether to trust my thoughts. You know, and and, and I really—it's a—it's a tough thing because I'm—I'm a, a person who I know what I want, but to not be able to readily take my thought and run with it, it—I'm still—I still struggle with that, and I'm trying to learn.
2: We should all be doing that. Yeah, yes. none <laughs> of us should be trusting how we take okay. our take on something. We all have biases, preconceptions. Mm-hmm. Right. So what you're doing is what we all ought to be doing. Okay. Absolutely. It's,
1: <laughs> okay. it's, a health, it's a healthy. It's a healthy thing yes. to do. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yes. Accountability.
1: Hmm. Hmm
2: you know, interacting with the group to make sure we're all seeing the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You're listening to the Dr. Dion
0: Show here on uh, Gwinnett Business Radio X. I'm joined by Ms. Lori Brickman, Ms. Kasha Gold, and also Captain Jay Eisner. Um, we're actually coming close to the end of our show, but I wanted to actually continue uh, with one more question regarding the uh, diversity. Uh, one of the statistics I actually read on the NAMI site was that African-Americans and Hispanic Americans use mental, Ill- mental health services at about one-third the rate of Caucasian Americans. And I think that's, that goes to the stigma that's attached mm-hmm. a, a lot in, in, in some communities. And so I applaud you, Kasha, for speaking Thank up you. about, um, <laughs> about your situation, because I know Thank in our community yes. um, that uh, if, you, if you show any kind of weakness, mm-hmm. quote-unquote weakness, then then somehow you're stigmatized and somehow you and and people think you're weak and yes. and and I think that mental mental uh, illness can it's on the spectrum and I think depression also ties into that. Now, I'll, I'll share a quick story that when I when I lost my I lost my parents and my aunt and my uncle in, in a four-year period. Wow. And while I was in grad school, my my children were 2 and 4 years old. I was just devastated on my knees with grief. I could not function. So, where did I go? I went to counseling. You wouldn't believe You went to counseling? Really? Why did you go to counseling? Da 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 da. And 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 Going to counseling and seeking help mm-hmm. is, a, is a sign of strength. Yes. It's not weakness. Yes, oh. it is. And so I, I'm hoping that our listeners are are are, are going to be inspired by your yes. story and and realizing, you know what, that there's no shame in this. Yes. I, and we have to take care of our mental health. Definitely. And if you don't take care of your mental health, then you are no good to anybody else exactly. and to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate uh, you and everyone coming here today to yes. talk about the work that you're doing. Let's continue the awesome, fantastic work you're doing. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank I you for bringing it to the
3: forefront. I do see a therapist and a psychiatrist um, on a regular. And I actually felt so much uh, joy in seeing a therapist because as it, I was always writing, you know, journaling what I was going through. I didn't have some, I, I didn't really talk about things I would go through too much. But therapy helped me to um, learn how to you know, express myself a little bit more and just talk through what I was going through and things like that. I used to hide my face, you know, going to the doctor's office. Like I don't want anybody to see me going into the doctor's office or psychiatrist the or therapist, you know. But I can say that anybody, you know, it's it's okay. You know, ha- has seeing a therapist is is it's, it's it can be amazing and don't be afraid or feel like you it's it's shameful. And I understand how I can feel, but uh it helped
1: me. It really has helped me a lot. So great. Thank you. Helped me that. a lot too. Yeah, and it's awesome. <laughs> oh. and, and just talking about it in the community, mm-hmm. each and every place we go. I was at the Newark Airport. I had to go to the Newark Airport just last two weekends ago, and the uh, Uber driver. Uh, was African-American, and on our way to the airport, I slipped in, you know, what I do. He says, well, how was your trip to New York? I said, it was awesome. I said, and I I can't wait to get back to what I do. You know, that's my lead in, (laughs) right? So he said, well, what do you do? I said, well, I work with law enforcement and teaching them about mental illness and disabilities. I said, how do you feel about that? He said, I don't trust cops. Hmm. I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, a lot of times they don't understand my neighborhood. And I'm, I'm fearful of them, and I'm on the defense. I, and he went on to tell some stories. I said, you know, I appreciate you sharing that with me. Would you mind if I shared what we're doing? Went on, talked about CIT, the training, and how we're trying our very best to partner uh, with law enforcement and what a great job they're doing in, in learning these skills and going out and utilizing them in, in the workplace. He, he drops me off at the airport. He goes around in my trunk. He takes my luggage out. He said, may I give you a hug? I said, of course. He said, I'm going to be honest. At the beginning of the ride, I was only thinking about my experience, and I still have feelings about that. So I appreciate that. He said, but you've enlightened me because I never thought about the other side. Hmm. So we're all here to learn more and do more. Yes. yes.
2: I just wanted to share, Kasha, about the strength it takes to go to therapy and help. That wall is finally crumbling in law enforcement, too, that, you know, you can't show weakness mm-hmm. by getting help. But, you know, if you're getting, tut- if you're getting ready for a, if you're a getting ready for a competition, you go to a professional trainer mm-hmm. to help get you in shape. Yes. Mm-hmm. The same thing in, in, for us in law enforcement. We do a lot of difficult things. So why wouldn't you go to a specialist who knows how to help you process through this? And so I was sharing. I've also, I've benefited greatly from seeing a therapist. <laughs> you know, I used to work in a homicide, you know, mm-hmm. that was really hard. I probably could have muddled through on my own, mm-hmm. but why not let someone help me yes. process through it faster, mm-hmm. more effectively, Absolutely. and limit the harm that this difficult stuff does to yes. me or my family?
1: Mm-hmm. Would you mind if I shared? Well, here we are on air, so I'm going to share it. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? We're in class. <laughs> you know, we've had classes where we spend a half a day talking about officer self-care with all they have to go through each yeah. and every day. We spent a half a day talking about self-care. And we have had wonderful leaders who have actually gone on speakerphone and made appointments with their employment assistance program, showing themselves as a role model for the other officers. We want everybody to be safe. Oh, yeah, that work. was me. Yes,
0: it's okay. Yes. Okay, <laughs> right. so
1: she that person <laughs> just happens to be to my right. <laughs>
0: okay, so, um, Lori, you mentioned a NAMI. The NAMI walk coming up. Would you want to share with the, with the, the listeners? Oh, yes. About we're that walk very coming?
1: excited. It's going to be at Grant Park on Saturday, October 8th. To walk is free. We are hoping to get hundreds and hundreds of people. We hope to yes. raise $175,000 yes. for the very first time. We're having teams of CIT officers from around uh city of Atlanta, you know, DeCasso, awesome. everywhere. Yeah. They're going to come in their own team, you know, tees and whatnot. Our goal is to increase, of course, awareness yeah, nice. for our community uh, of NAMI and of our CIT training. Please, uh, if you have questions, you can email NAMIWalks, N-A-M-I-W-A-L-K-S, at NAMIGA.org. We are very excited right. about the walk.
0: And that information will also be on the Dr. Dionne Show webpage on Gwinnett Business Video X. Um, and any more information in terms of Twitter, people to follow you, get in touch with you?
1: Well, I can give you my uh, Twitter. It's at Lori D. Brickman. Um, we would love, I would love, we would all love at any point in time, anyone who is interested in j- joining our efforts to call us, tweet me, email me, call me. I get calls every day from people um, who, who want to help, so who need help and who want to help. Um, My own team is is the Caked Crusaders. Our theme this year is be a Georgia mental health hero. So in (laughs) honor of my 60th, see, I'm outing something about myself. In honor of my 60th birthday, my team is called the Caked Crusaders. So I'm hoping people will will donate um, something or just come out and walk with us. Join hands with us, you know, walk with us on the 8th. And I'll be out
0: there
2: with you.
1: Yay. (laughs) Yes.
2: I'll be there also.
0: Great.
1: Awesome. Um, Any
0: um, information you'd like to
2: share with the viewers about yourself? Really just, again, the NAMI website, I think, is the way to go to connect with people who are walking through this with you. Cash, are you a peer counselor? No, I'm not. Not
3: yet. Ooh, One of the S- most comments. important
2: things I've seen as I've been with people who have been in working through their illness is peer counselors who, I mean, doctors are absolutely vital. But someone who's been through it, you know, means so much. And just mm-hmm. you being here on the air. Yes. I know someone's hearing you. <laughs> Someone's hearing you.
1: I just awesome. visited the Decatur, um, the Peer Support and Wellness Center in Decatur. Their programs are free. It's a twenty-four-seven warm line. Um, There's so many wonderful opportunities for for peer support. Okay. What you've done has been amazingly impactful. Oh, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Well, I appreciate the three of you joining uh, me today on the deb- debut episode of the Dr. Dion Show. Thank you so much for your contributions. <laughs> I hope our listeners have benefited. From I want to plug my website. <laughs> so I apologize. Case... <laughs> Go on ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm sorry. So, um, my website is cashagold.com It's C A S S I. A gold gold dot com for any information. If you, you know, want to find me somewhere, and yeah. did you mention your the fashion show? show yes, mm-hmm. October the first, that's a week before the walk, the Nami walk, and Hobie Studios, H O B I Studios, near Grant Park, uh, starts at 7 p.m. You can get tickets on eventbrite.com and just search green and jean g- green a n d jean G G A G E A N, um, I mean, J E A N. <laughs> <laughs> green and jean um search on event brighton and tickets are all there so i hope to see you yeah. there and come yeah. raising awareness of mental illness and raising funds for nami also this is my contribution
1: come meet Shamiqua holtzclaw our ex tennessee right. vol and um wnva star and olympian Shamiqua holtzclaw is going to be our honorary chair we're so excited awesome. about that she'll be at the walk as well fantastic
0: So thanks again for joining us on the Dr. Dion Show, where you listen to smart dialogue about diversity, leadership and behavior in the workplace and beyond. Our show airs live on the second Friday of each month at 10 a.m., but you can listen to any of our shows anytime by visiting GwinnettBusinessRadioX.com. Thank you so much again to my guests and also to executive producer, Mike Salmon and producers Trey and Z for your assistance today. And uh, before I close, I'd like to just share uh, information about myself. If you'd like to um, contact me, you can find me on Facebook at uh, actually my business at Poltonconsultinggroup.com, on Twitter at De- Dr. Dion Poulton, and also on LinkedIn at Dr. Dion Polton. And I welcome emails. Um, I always love to hear feedback, uh, questions, comments, even gripes. I'm, I'm happy to engage. So I thank you for listening. And I also like to uh, close with a call to action. Expand your circle and your mind. Let people in. Thank you.